0: In your salvation, I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. Thank you. So let me just pray then before Marco comes to speak to us this afternoon. Heavenly Father, we, I pray that by your Spirit, Lord, you would be kind to open your word to us this afternoon. Give us hearts and minds ready to understand and learn from you, we pray. And Father, for our brother Marco, I pray that you would... Uh, uh, grant him an ability to, to just clearly communicate your word to our hearts this day, we pray. Thank you for his understanding that you've granted him of this word already. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Peter. Thanks, Jemima. Hi, everyone. Um, I'm going to just pray again very briefly for us. Uh, I know we've just prayed, but no harm in, in in one more short prayer before we get into it. Father, I pray, would you do what what only you can do? Would you comfort and refresh weary hearts where we have believed things about you um, and about how you want us to relate to you that just aren't true? Would you correct? Would you teach us what is true and help our hearts to believe it so that you will be glorified in our trust? Amen. I'm, uh, I'm so grateful for this psalm um, and in some ways, especially for the first two verses, Uh, How long, David asks, how long, O Lord? Four times he asks, how long? One commentator I read said, it's um, it's not under the sharpest, but the longest trials that we are most in danger of fainting. And that's true, isn't it? When struggles are long, when one problem uh, after the next, after the next just keeps piling on top of each other, when there's no end in sight, when questions remain long without answers, Uh, Our emotional tanks run low, and we can slide into despair and depression, even feeling like God has abandoned us. How long, O Lord? How long will this difficult situation last? Have you forgotten me? Do you care? Just tell me what to do, Lord. I'm trying my best to please you, but right now it feels like you're far away. Well, the great thing about the psalm is it tells us that David felt like that. David, one of the great heroes of the faith, the man after God's own heart. Think of this, David, who wrote half the prayers that Jesus grew up learning to pray. He sometimes felt like that, like God had abandoned him. The psalm tells us that feeling that way is a normal part of the Christian life. It tells us it's okay to struggle with those feelings. It's okay to, to ask hard questions of God, even questions that feel somewhat irreverent to ask. It's okay to admit when you feel God has forgotten you, uh, abandoned you, left you to struggle on your own. Now, I know a, a good number of us are struggling at the moment in lots of ways. Some ways that might be similar to what David was dealing with, some ways different. Uh, The thing is, the specifics of the struggle aren't really the point. We don't know exactly what troubles David was facing when he wrote the psalm. It doesn't tell us. The details aren't really important. What's important is, where is God? Why isn't God helping me? Why does he seem so far away? Have you forgotten me, Lord? We can all relate to that. Well, if you feel that way at the moment, I believe our Father in heaven wants to encourage you. He wants to help you. And there are three ways in particular that I uh, have had uh, come to my mind and heart as I've prayed and prepared for this afternoon. The first way I believe the Lord wants to encourage you is by giving you permission to be honest. Second, by reminding you of the good news that you already know. And third, by inviting you to make a decision. Permission to trust, uh, a reminder of the gospel. Uh, beg your pardon. Permission to be honest, reminder of the gospel, an invitation to trust. So first, permission to be honest. This will take most of our time together. The way we're going to do this is to look at how David talks to the Lord in verses one and two, how he fleshes out the troubles of his soul. But we're not interested in The Troubles of David, just for historical curiosity. No, we want to learn to follow David in being honest with God. Even being honest with God when our problem seems to be with God. David is our older brother in the faith, and he wants us to learn from him. How do we know that? Well, he wrote the psalm for us. You see, he says so before verse 1, to the choir master or to the director of music. David didn't write the psalm for himself. He wrote it to teach us how to be honest with God. So uh, what we're going to do is look at David's four how longs, the four faces, if you will, of David's despair. And then we're going to do something we've, we've not done before, at least not to my memory. We, we're going to pause in, in the middle of the sermon. Well, it'll be more than halfway, but you know what I mean. We'll pause for three minutes. Uh, And during those three minutes, uh, I hope you will respond to your father's invitation to come before him with your own prayer, with your own how long. I think you'll find David's footsteps into prayer easy and helpful to follow. So let's start looking at David's four how longs. The first in verse one, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? Have you ever felt uh, like God has forgotten you? Maybe you feel like that now. What David means by this is not that God has a memory problem, but rather that there's some problem David's facing that he can't solve himself. And God just isn't fixing it. And he's asking God, have you forgotten about me? Lord, I need your help. You see, God's remembering isn't so much about a, a state of consciousness as if God could lose his memory. But rather, his remembering is the trigger to his saving action. For example, at the end of Exodus chapter 2, we read that the people of Israel groaned in their slavery, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, so God looked on them, and so began the great deliverance that was the Exodus. God remembered, God looked, God rescued. David needs help. He needs God to rescue him from a trouble that he cannot fix himself. How long will you forget me, O Lord? When will you come to my help? Or maybe that's your cry too. You know God hasn't lost his memory of you. But how long until he comes to your help? David's second cry, which uh, is an extension of the first, weighs even heavier on his soul. He could probably bear the trial, whatever it was, if he was conscious of God's pleasure with him, of God being close. But he wasn't. How long will you hide your face from me? Will You remember the, um, the great priestly blessing of the Old Testament that the Lord commanded Aaron and his sons to speak over Israel. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. David feels not only is God not helping me in the situation, but he's turned his face away from me. I can't see the face of blessing and of grace and peace. Do you sometimes? Feel like that, like God has turned his face from you. Once you felt in your soul his favor towards you, you felt his blessing, his grace, his peace, but now nothing. It doesn't mean it's true that God has turned from you. You know that. We all know the right theological answer. But knowing the right answer doesn't mean our hearts always feel like it's true, does it? And note, this has nothing to do with sin. There's no mention of sin or repentance in this psalm. It's just a reality that sometimes we feel God has distanced distanced himself from us, turned his face away. He's He's just not near. And it has nothing to do with sin. Well, I mean, of course, it could be because of sin, but that's not what's going on in this psalm. Often it's just a reality of living in a fallen world with hearts that don't work quite right, with bodies that tire, with emotional tanks that run low, all sorts of reasons that mean that every now and then it just feels like God isn't there. We know it's not true, but it feels very true, doesn't it? Do you sometimes feel God has abandoned you? You can be honest. (laughs) David was. And of course, because David feels God has forgotten him, God isn't coming to his rescue. God is far away from him. Well, that means David is is left to himself, or at least he feels he is left to himself to solve his problems. And so his third cry, how long must I take counsel in my soul? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts? His thoughts are in turmoil, and all the more so because he's conscious of enemies not just personal enemies, but enemies to his kingship. None of us are uh, kings or queens of ancient theocratic states, (laughs) but we are all called by God to something. What has God called you to right now? In what ways are you trying your best to do things God's way for the honor of his name, for the furtherance of his kingdom in the hearts of others? For you, that looks like trying to be a faithful husband or wife in a culture that hates Christian marriage, or trying to honor God by honoring your parents in a culture that hates submission, or trying to be Christ-like in your work in a ruthless business environment that's all about bottom-line profits, or trying to follow Jesus at school where so many would love any opportunity to insult you for being a Christian. David is just trying to do what God has called him to do in a culture that wants to mock him and mock his God. Now, what about you? Do you sometimes feel God has forgotten you, that he's turned his face away from you, that he just won't give you the answers you need, and you're trying to please him, you really are, but he seems to be leaving you to struggle and Perhaps even to fall and fail in front of those who mock your faith and who mock him. Do you feel sometimes, perhaps today, that God has abandoned you? Now, I already know the answer to that question. What I don't know the answer to is, will you admit it? Christians aren't supposed to feel that way, are we? And if we do, we're certainly not supposed to admit it, not out loud <laughs> and definitely not actually to God. or so the devil, the true enemy of your soul, would uh, would have you believe. But friends, that's a lie. You need to admit your struggles, especially your struggles with God when he, when you feel like he's abandoned you. In fact, Bringing your feeling of abandonment by God to God is part of your worship. Remember the title of the psalm before verse 1, for the choir master or to the director of music. David meant this psalm to be sung publicly by the people of God in the temple as worship. Worship must be honest. It must Um, it must reflect both the reality of what's in your heart and the truth that you know to be true, no matter what your heart feels in that moment. Mere complaining is not worship, but bringing the cries of your heart to God and laying them out before him, even when he seems to be absent, is part of true worship. So I want to give us an opportunity now to worship by taking three minutes to bring the cries of your heart to God. You might want to make David's words your own. How long, O Lord? I know it's not true, Father, but sometimes it feels like you've forgotten me. It sometimes feels like you're not smiling at me, like you've turned your face away from me. It sometimes feels like you're just leaving me to struggle on my own. Even when I'm trying my best to live in a way that honors you. So we're gonna take three minutes now. Write it down or pray it uh, out loud or in your head. Whatever the cries of your heart are now, however you are struggling now, as best you can put it into words. I know it is a struggle to set aside all the argument. We know it's not true, we know it's not true. But it still feels true sometimes. And your father would have you bring that to him. So uh, John, if you would give us three minutes and then we'll come back together. Thanks, John. You may, um, you may need to take some more time to continue with that later this evening or, or whenever you have some uh, quiet space to do so. Uh, but for now, I said earlier, I believe our Father wants to encourage you in three ways. The first was to give you permission to be honest, to invite you to bring the cries of your heart to him as worship, as part of your worship. The second is to remind you of the good news that you already know. Just two aspects of the good news I, I want to point out. But before I do, we first need to just understand what David is actually praying here. So if you look at, with, uh, you look at verses 5 and 6 with me for a moment, uh, I trust in your unfailing love, verse 5. Uh, or your Bible might say, I have trusted in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices or my heart shall rejoice. Well, what is David praying here? Well, um, Hebrew language doesn't work the same way as English does. But One of the ways it's different is in how it expresses tenses. Uh, in English, tenses are quite straightforward, uh, past, present and future, uh, with some nuance within those, but three tenses and the word itself tells you which tense it's in. For example, if I say, uh, we walked, we know straight away we're in the past tense. Um, or if I say, We walk or we are walking, it's present tense, and we will walk, future tense. Easy. Uh, But tenses in Hebrew don't work the same way. And so there's legitimate flexibility in how to translate these verses, which is why different translations have the wording slightly differently. So I want to propose the following wording, which I think is the best fit. Um, It's not my translation. I'm not clever enough to do this. This is from a Uh, a very renowned um, Old Testament and Hebrew scholar. Um, But see if this helps you uh, from verse five. But since I trust in your unfailing love, may my heart rejoice in your salvation. Then I will sing to the Lord for he has been good to me. But since I trust in your unfailing love, may my heart rejoice in your salvation. Then I will sing to the Lord for he has been good to me see david hasn't stopped praying but since i trust in your unfailing love may my heart rejoice in your salvation he's praying that his heart would come into line with what he knows to be true so two aspects of the gospel i want to see i want us to see here the first is Um, is what David's prayer implies. May my heart rejoice in your salvation. He knows, just as we do, that the problem isn't with God. The problem is with his heart. It's not true that God has forgotten him. It's not true that God has turned his face away from him. It's not true that God has abandoned him to his troubles. It's not true that God will leave David to ultimately fail in whatever ways he's called him to honor him. And none of those things are true for you. Your father will never, never abandon you. You remember earlier, I read from uh, Numbers chapter six, the great priestly uh, blessing that we know so well, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Well, in the very next verse, God says that this is how the priests of old put his name on the people of Israel. It was by blessing them that he made them his and identified them with his very own name. So it was impossible that God could abandon them. That would be to abandon his very own name. And God will never abandon you, Christian. In Christ, that would be to abandon his Son. The good news is that God will never abandon you. The good news is that though your feelings are real, they're not telling the truth. And the good news is that God is now your father and he cares how you feel. God doesn't just say to you, this is true, that's not true. Now you make your heart line up, get your heart, get your feelings in line. No, your father says, I know your heart doesn't always work right. <laughs> Bring it to me. The second thing I want us to notice here is our salvation ultimately is a whole, total salvation. You notice David says, um, may, my heart, m- may my heart rejoice in your salvation. In other words, he uses salvation as the solution to every category of problem that he's facing. The problem of of feeling like God isn't fixing his problems. Well, one day all our problems will be fixed. The problem of feeling like God has turned his face away. That sense of God's abandonment, that sense of the loss of God's pleasure, his peace. The sense that God isn't smiling on you. Well, one day our salvation will be complete and you will never feel that way again. You will always live with that true experienced reality of God smiling over you. That sense of inner turmoil. Must I wrestle with my thoughts day and night? How long must I take counsel in my soul? Our final salvation will settle our hearts and our thoughts totally and forever. That sense that we may fail in what God has called us to do. Our final salvation solves all of those. Our salvation is total. It is complete. Well, I said, I believe our Father wants to encourage you in three ways. The first was to invite you to bring the cries of your heart to him. The second, to remind you of the good news. The good news that your feelings aren't true. The good news that your final salvation is a total, whole salvation. And now lastly for today, to invite you to say with David, but I trust in your unfailing love. Verses 5 and 6. But since I trust in your unfailing love, or your steadfast love, your translation might say, I will one day sing the Lord's praise. The psalm moves, as it were, from the opening scenes being something like a kind of like a beach in a storm where there's just crashing waves, crashing, crashing, crashing. It's all turmoil and 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 activity and noise. And at the end, it's like the water has gone still. The waves are still. If you've stood by the sea, um, around sunset when it's when it's still and calm like a mirror that's what's happened uh, it, that's what happens in the psalm this is david's heart he's gone from that crashing turmoil to a heart that is still i trust in your unfailing love i know your salvation is complete one day all these problems will be gone and i will sing to you for you have been good to me won't you bow your hearts with me as I pray? Father, for all those things that we brought before you just a few minutes ago, whatever are the troubles of our days or the troubles of our souls right now, we trust, Father, in your unfailing love. We know that in respect of those things, those particular things, those cries of our hearts today, one day our salvation will be complete and we will see your goodness, your grace, your love, your healing, your restoration, put all those things right. We know one day we will sing to you in respect of those things and say, in respect of this thing, the Lord has been good to me. The Lord has dealt bountifully with me. Would you still our hearts? Where our hearts are crashing around like the waves, would you still them? To your glory, Father. Amen.